Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. That scripture is coming from Mark chapter 11, verse 24. So welcome back once again to another episode of Girls on Another Level, also known as Goal, okay? Got the little acronym there. <laughs> Anyways, I just don't think I stress this enough that this podcast is all about women. No offense to any guys that may want to listen in on this. No, no offense to you, but this is all about women empowerment, you know? A lot of people don't know experiences getting into certain career fields, and I just want to be that happy medium to help let people who are in this profession already share their experiences to help people that may be interested in that field, whatever field it is, doctor, lawyer, teacher. I want to have this platform so people can listen in and understand what it takes to actually be in this career. Now, everybody's path is different, but this is just a little startup to help you guys think about what you want to do. Now that that's over and I finished this little spiel, can you guys guess from the clip that I'm about to play what profession we're going to be discussing in today's show? Um, listen, I understand this is your first session, but it's a lot easier if you're completely honest about how you're feeling. Guys, so welcome to another episode of Girls on Another Level. So this episode is going to be very special because I happen to be interviewing my counselor from middle school. <laughs> so how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you. I'm so proud of you and I'm so happy to be on your show. Thank you. So tell the viewers that are listening who you are and a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Corey Lee, and I am the owner of Happily Ever After, which is a counseling service here in Atlanta, Georgia. All right. So what inspired you to be a counselor? Ooh, well, <laughs> when I was younger, I was always the one that everybody came to for any kind of problem. People were always coming to me for advice on this or that. So um, it's always something that I found to be something I was passionate about. I love to help people. I love to see where people start and where they end up. So it kind of chose me from a young age. So I already <coughs> heard that you said people used to come to you for advice. So is there a difference between giving advice and actually being a counselor? Oh, I'm glad you asked <laughs> that. Look at you. You're exactly right. There is a big difference. So when I was younger, of course, it would just be friends, you know, seeking advice. Therapy is very different. We do not give advice. We just help guide people through their own thought process. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people will come to me, especially for like premarital counseling. I had one client ask me, he was like, are you going to tell me if I should marry her at the end of this? <laughs> I'm like, no, we don't tell you yay or nay. We don't, you know, even give specific any answers. We just help to illuminate what the answers are that you already have within you. So what education wise? What were the steps that you took in order to become a counselor? Ooh, it is a lot. So when I was working with you um, as a middle school counselor, I had to have a master's degree. I went along and got a specialist degree. So, of course, let me go back. My undergrad was in psychology. Mm -hmm. My graduate degree was a dual degree. So it was marriage and family therapy and school counseling. Okay. So at the time, I just wanted to focus on the school part or the population of kids. Mm -hmm. So I had to get certified. I had to take um, the GACE. Back then it was the GACE 1 and 2. Mm -hmm. So I had to do that. So then when I decided after 13 years of doing that in the school population, I said, I'm ready to have my own private practice. 
that's a whole other thing. You have to get licensed to be a therapist. So I had to go back, had to take a few more courses. I had to pass the NCE to get licensed. So I'm certified and licensed and have about five degrees total. <laughs> so what's the actual correct term? Because I know there's counselors, mm-hmm. there's a therapist, sure. is that the same as a psychologist? Mm. Like what are the differences between the terms? That's a really good question. So counselor and therapist are almost synonymous with each other, just like a counselor could be an attorney as well. So they use that term as well. Um, so you can have um, someone refer to you as a counselor or a therapist. Now, a psychologist is totally different. They usually focus more on assessments. They do a lot more testing than we do. Um, and psychiatrist is, of course, someone that had to go to medical school. They pretty much do the same as far as the hour-long dialogue therapy, but they can also write prescriptions. Gotcha. Therapists, we just focus on the dialogue portion of it, and we would have to refer out to a psychiatrist. Once you got your license to do your own practice, what was your first experience experience like? Was it a little bit different from being a school counselor? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was very different because you remember I just had to have my office open right. and I had kids <laughs> all the time. I had clients all the time. It was like, you know, y'all used to always hang out yep. in my office. <laughs> but with private practice, it's more of a business. And so I had to do a lot of marketing to actually get clients. Mm-hmm. And we're not taught that in graduate school as therapists. No one really teaches you about the marketing side. You just assume I'll have a practice, open my door up, and they'll come. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. You (laughs) will not have any clients. You will be broke. (laughs) So I had to really focus on the marketing aspect. Um, Psychology Today is primarily where I receive a majority of my referrals, and that's a website that people go on to seek a therapist. Um, also therapy for black girls. I get a lot of clients from that site as well. Um, good therapy is another site and, um, some marketing on my own, the whole SEO thing with Google. I did try to navigate through that. I'm not technologically savvy. It's hard. I mean, I don't know anything about SEO and building keywords in my website. I did complete my own website, which was great, but it was hard. It was a lot of coding and I mean, just a lot of this is technology stuff that we have no idea about. So. I think that was the hardest part of building a full-time practice because this is full-time. A majority of therapists will still work part-time somewhere because they don't have a full-time caseload. I'm very blessed and fortunate enough to say I do this full-time. I only work for myself. So it took a minute to get there, though. So it's a process. So with you being a marriage and family therapist, uh, I know there are different areas like anger management. Does Mm -hmm. that, like, do you have to take different certifications or different courses to learn different things to handle each area yes like you have to be certified in anger management it's called cams one um certified anger management specialist i am not um i didn't choose that as my population um so i'm licensed to like you said work with families adolescents i can do play therapy i can work with premarital counseling like i said people who are about to get married Um, Of course, couples therapy and individual therapy and majority of people that may come, it really has changed. Therapy is more normalized now. It used to be like, you only come to therapy if you're crazy. (laughs) I would say less than 5% of my population would have an actual diagnosis. Majority of people just are stuck in a phase of their life and they need help guiding them to the next phase. So, you know, whereas before it was like really specific and you could cover a broad uh, you can cover a broad audience, but 
specifically anger management, you do have to be certified in that. Everything else is pretty much um, under my wheelhouse and something I could do. Okay. So I want to tap into your perspective. So when you do have a session and you're dealing with a client, so what is your thought process like when you're looking through someone's problems for the first time? Mm -hmm. Do you have problems identifying with that person? Like, what's it from your perspective? Well, the first session is all about rapport. You know, for anybody to be successful in therapy, they have to have a good relationship with their therapist because they're having to tell you things that they've maybe never even said to anyone else. So the first session, my main focus, besides attending skills, like you said, really listening, reflecting back that I am listening, I'm really just trying to build a rapport with them so they feel comfortable to share. So do you sometimes get overwhelmed with dealing with many clients? So how many clients do you usually, you know, during a week oh girl that's a lot (laughs) (laughs) so I would say between my goal every week is to see between 30 to 35 clients that's a full-time goal that is a lot now I know people listening (laughs) that know about therapy they're like what that's my goal um and I do work six days a week to meet that goal so um and it is a lot because again if you have a therapy session you get an assignment after I call them assignments not homework Mm -hmm. Um, Because I don't got time to read a bunch of stuff. And (laughs) most people don't have time to write a bunch of stuff. So they're thought prompts. My assignments are thought prompts. But it's still something that I have to create and send out after the session. Mm -hmm. So it's like, let's say I have 30 clients. Then I have 30 assignments to send out. I have 30 invoices to send out. I have 30 payments to process. So there is a lot of work on the back end. It's not just the hour that we speak. It's a lot of the business stuff. And then, of course, rebooking them to come back the following week. So, um it's probably, I would say, 60 hours a week by the time you add up all of that. Hmm. <laughs> that is a lot. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so what are some ways that you take care of yourself so you're not, you know, fully focused on work, work, work? So what are some self-care things that you do? Well, you always have to have balance. Um, I don't do as good with that recently as I should have. I'm going to just be have full disclosure and be honest. Um, only because my clientele has picked up so much and I'm trying to meet the demand as I'm still building my practice. Mm -hmm. But typically, even being busy, I still do have moments. Like, I never schedule back-to-back. I was just telling my husband. So my scheduling goes, like, let's say I see you at 3. I don't see the next client until 4.30. So I have a half-hour break built in. So I'm making sure that if I do have work to do with that client, I'm not taking work home. So that's a balancing thing. Um, I go get my nails done, of course. I'm really big on massage. I go weekly to the chiropractor. I eat pretty healthy anyway. Um, I'm totally vegetarian. And so I have a good diet. Um, I go out with my kids and have fun. My husband and I do things. So there is a balance there. And even in the moment now where I'm not doing as much self-care, there's still a good amount of things I'm doing because I feel like doing them. Put it that way. No, it's a good, I feel like it's a good balance. (laughs) Somebody else would say no, but (laughs) I think it's a good balance um, because, again, it's, this is what I'm passionate about. This is why I'm spending so much time because I love this and it's my business. So, again, I find a lot of joy in what I do. Okay, okay. So, I have a question. Can you be um, a therapist to close friends and family? Like a conflict of interest? It just depends, um, like, on what the relationship is. If if it's kind of a far-removed friendship. I have had friends. I actually had a 
friend who I hadn't seen her in 30 years. She found me online and showed up as a client. Um, of course, that worked because I didn't I didn't have an everyday you know relationship with her. Right. Um, of course, if it were somebody closer to me, there would be a conflict of interest because therapy is just about no biases. I can't have no biases. I can't have any judgment. Mm -hmm. And so with friends and really close you know family and close friends, it is harder to have that bias and not to have that bias rather. And not to have that, you know, dog in the fight. Right. Therapists are about, I don't have a dog in the fight. When I have couples, especially as clients, I tell them, you're not my client. The other one's not my, your relationship is my client. And so I'm totally impartial. Not and then, yeah, no sides. I think, <laughs> especially with couples, they always fear that the person that finds the therapist is going to then have them on their side. So mm -hmm. I'm very clear at the onset of our relationship. I'm not on either one of your sides. If they have children, I say your children are my clients or your relationship is my client, not either one of you. I could care less whether you're right, <laughs> wrong, or indifferent. Right. I need to give you the skills you need to be successful. Okay. So do you have any advice for anyone who would want to go into this field? Yeah, I, I always tell people, even in me saying I have these degrees and things like that, and people think, oh, it's going to be too long in school. If you're passionate about helping people and you're passionate about becoming a therapist, then, you know, how long you have to go to school should be inconsequential. It's just something you have to do, just like going to be a lawyer or a doctor. Just to get it done. Yeah, just to get want. it done and keep doing it and keep being aligned with your passion and your purpose because it didn't seem like a long time when I was doing it. Mm -hmm. It was very interesting. So when you're doing undergrad work, you're like, oh, my God, it's taking forever, and you're doing a bunch of classes that have nothing to do with your major. But graduate school is concentrated totally on what you want to do. So although they didn't teach me marketing, they did teach me a lot about therapy. They taught me a lot about theories, a lot about how to have good attending skills, how to really be a good listener, which is most important. Um, so that I found that to be fascinating. I love my graduate program. I went to Columbus State University. Um, they are KCREP accredited. I would recommend if you want to be a therapist, whether it be in school or community, you do find a KCREP accredited, and that's C-A-C-R-E-P, KCREP accredited program. And I found out the hard way from seeing other people who didn't go to those schools mm -hmm. not be able to take tests. Those exams are specific as far as accreditation. So find the right program, make sure it's accredited for what you want to do, and then just, you know, just do it. Don't allow the time or whatever obstacle you think is in your way. Just do it because I can truly tell you I love coming to work. I'm excited to come to work. I see my clients, mm -hmm. like, who's on my schedule for that day, and I'm like, oh, I get to <laughs> hear the update to this. Or, yeah. you know, so doing something you love, regardless of what it took to get there, is always worth it. Now, what is one thing that people wanting to get into this career, what is one mistake that they make when trying to jump into this field? I think a lot of therapists who are not successful, because I, I meet them all the time. I'm in a lot of different groups. I'm in Black Therapist Rock mm -hmm. um, and uh, also African-American practice owners in Atlanta. And so when we talk and we network, I hear a lot of them complain about not finding clients. Again, mm -hmm. the marketing piece. I think if you're going to have your own practice, you could be the best therapist in the world. But if no one knows you exist, how good can you be? You have to market yourself. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Um, and again, I was running Google ads, probably not successfully, but <laughs> I was running them. I was trying to do anything I could to get my name and my message out there so that people could find me. I think the biggest mistake is people just don't 
go outside of their comfort zone, like you said, and, and do live interviews. I speak, I was at a panel uh, about two weeks ago and spoke to a um, group of college students about mm -hmm. the, you know, mental health benefits. So you got to get out there. You're not going to get paid for a lot of those things. But it does something yeah, you get clients or you get <laughs> you get exposure and also you're helping people. So, I mean, you got to put yourself out there. You have to go in kind of, you know, full guns blazing and say, I'm going to be successful because a lot of people start. It's not what they think it's going to be. And then they go and find a job or, you know, because we could always go and work for the VA or we right. could work for DFACS. But it that takes time away from building your practice. So you got to be patient. Now, do you have any goals that you're trying to accomplish by the end of the year? Yes. So I would say one of the main goals that I had initially was, of course, uh, 30 a week was my magic number. Mm -hmm. 30 a week put me financially where, and I don't even want to say online because I don't want nobody <laughs> hitting me up for no, no, no. no loans. <laughs> I had a financial goal in mind, mm -hmm. and then I realized how many clients it would take me to get to that goal. So I've met that goal. So my next goal would be um, to own a, open up my own center. So the ultimate goal that I would like to achieve, even by the end of this year, is to have a holistic wellness center where people can come in and have a massage or have hypnotherapy or have, of course, therapy, coaching, consulting, mm -hmm. whatever it is, kind of like a one-stop shop for mental health and wellness. Um, that's the overall <laughs> goal. That's my big goal, to have a storefront and have it be a beautiful place. I believe your space should be beautiful. It should smell wonderful. Like and your office is welly well away. Oh, thank you. you know. I love, you know, I think when people walk in, you want them to be wild. You want them to feel almost like spoiled in the things that you pick for them. So I would want my wellness center to be very similar, beautiful, comfortable, smells great. Some place that people could walk in and walk out a totally different person. So that looks like almost like we're out of time. Okay. So before we go, I have this lovely mason jar mm -hmm. and it was filled with a whole bunch of inspirational quotes. Oh, nice. So I would like you to pick from the jar and read it aloud just to inspire you and other people that may be listening. I love that. So Look at you. I'm so <laughs> proud of you. Thank I you. wish I could tell y'all how sweet. I mean, you know she's sweet, but when, I'm telling you, you were definitely one of my favorite students. Thank you. One of the sweetest, just genuinely just very sweet and kind. All right. So here's the quote. Two things define you. Your patience when you have nothing and your attitude when you have everything. All right, guys. So before we go and close this off, would you like to shout out? any of your social medias just so you can get some more marketing yeah <laughs> i would love to people can always find me on instagram at happily ever after that's h-a-p-p-i-l-e-e -E underscore e-v-r no e after at if that's on instagram and then on facebook of course it's happily ever after and my website is h-a-p-p-i-l-e-e-e-v-e-r-a-f-t-e-r.org Happily ever after. And of course, the Lee is my last name, Corey Lee. Nice. All right, guys. So thank you for tuning in and catch you guys the next episode. Thank you. So the business spotlight this week is going to go to Good Books. Um, it's an online pop-up black bookstore, okay? And they just carry black books of all genres 
any topic that you can think of. And they give you personal recommendations based on the customer's interests. So they're here to host in-person experiences to help build community amongst Black book lovers. So it doesn't matter if it's new or if it's vintage, all Black books are good books. Okay, so if you're interested in checking out a new book or, you know, want to just add to your collection, then check them out on Instagram. Their Instagram can be found at goodbooksatl. Once again, that's goodbooksatl. And with that, we are signing off. Well, not we. I'm signing off. And I will catch you guys in the next episode.